0: John Carney's going to be ministering today with his wife, Karen. They are in the room, and some of you met them about six weeks ago, I think. And uh, yeah, that was a, a, good, a good time just getting to know them then. So we're looking forward to just a real powerful morning. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good. We are going to be taking communion as well. We have the communion table up front. And what we typically do, if you're not familiar with our style... During our worship time, we I will pop up here and I will just go ahead and give you guys the the go ahead to grab your communion elements. I'll ask you to hold on to them. And just so I don't have to do it during that communion time, I'll just say it now. I want to encourage you just to hold on to the elements and continue worshiping Jesus. Just pour out your affection, pour out your love, pour out your your heart to him, and hold those symbols the body and blood of Jesus that that bread and the juice symbolizes. Hold that out before him and let that be a time where you declare, where you, where you present before him your acknowledgement that what he paid for on the cross was for you and for the various things that it paid for to be released into your life. We're going to open this morning by making a declaration together. And... I believe that even the things we're going to make a declaration over, it has all been paid for by Jesus on the cross. This declaration that I put together this morning comes from Isaiah 61. Most of you know that that first half of the chapter. Jesus paid the price for us to experience and walk in the fullness of what we will be reading in Isaiah 51. So why don't we do this? Let's stand up. Before we make the declaration, i got to get a sip of water. My caffeine is kicking in, getting the jitters. I got a little text message this morning from Greg Dillon. Greg and Cheryl Dillon, some of you know them. They ministered here about a year ago in June. And so this is what he wanted to release over us. So I'll share this with you guys. <clears throat> he said, as a family, we stand before our Lord Jesus with you your family, and your church family today. I see strong, high-volume fountains of spiritual blessing welling up within your midst, kind of like a releasing of the pressure of a seed that's been planted and watered and prayed over for a long time. The opportunity is there for all to receive his touch flowing through his living water. I ask the Lord that you will help everyone to receive in their spirits a more than abundant portion. So just put your hands out before you and say, Lord, I'm ready to receive a more than abundant portion. Yeah. So use your hands, O Lord, to clear the paths of anything left in the way and rise up, O mighty warriors, and release the reception of your blessing. Release the reception. In other words, open your heart fully this morning because God wants to bless you. He wants to pour something good. So we're gonna make the declaration of Isaiah 61 together and then we're gonna blast right off into worship. So here we go. You guys read this with me, okay? Today we declare that Jesus has poured out his spirit on us. He has anointed us to tell the world of all he has done. We speak restoration to broken hearts. Freedom for the captive. We release the light of Jesus to those in prisons of darkness. We declare the favor of the Lord. We release the comfort of Holy Spirit to those in mourning. Provision of heaven to those who are grieving their circumstances. We place a crown of beauty on those in the ashes of loss. Anointing those in mourning with the oil of joy. Trading the spirit of despair with the clothing of praise and worship. We are the oak trees of God's righteousness. Our roots are planted deep in Jesus, covered in his glory. We will rebuild what the enemy has ruined. Renew our broken city. Break the curses of the past because we are kings and priests of God. Amen. Let's worship, guys.
1: hallelujah thank you father we thank you for your grace and mercy your provision thank you father for us to surrender it all was to give up a low life and to yield to your high life to your higher calling to your goodness we thank you, Father, for your um, for your grace towards us that even when we were um, rebellious and blind, you were kind and loving and always um, had your arms out to welcome us and always to invite us, Father. We thank you. We thank you. We praise you, Father, for your goodness towards us and that you are... Um, in that you're always there, you're always waiting, and even when we fall and we blow it, you are, um, you are there to say, just come back, baby, just come back, baby, here I am. I've never left you, I've never forsaken you. We thank you for your goodness.
2: Amen. Good morning, kings and priests of the Most High God. Welcome, everyone. Um, I just want to say, I just want to talk about religion for a minute, because everybody knows here how I feel about religion. But if you feel like you're struggling, don't let the enemy come down on you with condemnation. You know, it says in the 23rd Psalm that, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It doesn't say that, hey, buddy, you found yourself in the valley of death. You put yourself there. He didn't condemn us for that. Because in God, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. So if the enemy's coming along, chirping stuff at you, use your voice as kings and priests. Rebuke the devil, and he will flee. Mm -hmm. Keep this... This relationship, that's the important one. Would anybody from our worship team or our ministry team? See, we need a worship team.
3: Good morning. So Josh, I just wanted to say when we're up here praying for you, that I just felt and saw um, the journey that you've been on and that that road ahead of you is bright with promise and things that the Lord still wants to do in and through you. And I just saw it was, it was just like shining and bright. And I felt his breath blowing, his, his spirit. And the one thing I feel that um, really helps keep you strong is because you have that heart of worship buried so deeply in you. I know it's, it, you struggle with that right now, to be able to worship in the way you want to, but he still hears that worship in your heart. One of the strengths for you is the union of your family. As he showed me on the road, as I saw you alone, and then I saw your family come and surround you and walk hand in hand. He's strengthening you, he's strengthening your mind, he's strengthening your hands, and he's strengthening your feet. So, I hope that's an encouragement to you today, John and Karen says praying for you today, and the Lord showed me um, slow down, and I was going like, "Whoa, okay lord, what is that and And he showed me like the yellow um, light like caution, and He showed me that um reaching for something um and I know you seek his counsel, and he's just saying seek my counsel and I believe when he showed me that it's a word for all of us here as we're going forward into things and things we may be reaching for you know our heart's desire maybe something that we're stepping out in and he just wants to say it's you know it's in his timing but um, you're running the race and you have so much favor and blessing on you that you dispense to other people and speak over other
4: people
0: You preached you got some words
4: okay i i assume your name is josh in the black shirt back there um josh could you come up here i have a word for you um the lord gave me and are you his wife could you come with him please josh i was standing in the back back here and come on up the two of you i was standing in the back back here, c- up, you. Uh, back, back here uh, behind you and the lord began to speak about you to me and um I first have to tell you a little story. There are Jeremiah's, people in the spirit of Jeremiah that he raises up in every generation. And the Jeremiah anointing is anointing where your heart is tender, but your personality is like iron. Because you have to resist the world coming against you. Your heart, And he puts words in your mouth that reflect the heart, but it's the, it's the, the toughness inside that keeps you going. So I, I want you to understand that that's what the Jeremiah anointing is like. Now, I was in, in West Africa in the northern part of, of Ghana about uh, two years ago, almost two years ago now, and I was in this remote village. It's almost all Muslim village, There are two little tiny churches that are maybe as wide as this little area here and about this long. One's an assembly of God, one's a Baptist church, and they got together to share the gospel of Jesus with all of their Muslim neighbors. And so we're there. There's no electricity. They live in, uh, in mud houses with straw roofs. And uh, I happened to be in the area, they asked if I would come and, and preach that night. So we're there, we have one light bulb on a little tiny generator is all the light that we have um, going on. And I preached the, the message, when I got done, the Lord had already told me earlier in the day that there'd be a young man there named Jeremiah, which is not a name of that tribe and not a Muslim name, but there'd be a young man there named Jeremiah, and he had the same anointing as Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And I was to lay hands on him and speak to him the Jeremiah's calling of God in Jeremiah chapter 1. So I get all done. I crank up my courage and I say, is there a Jeremiah in the village? And the translator asks. And this grandma brings up about a 12-year-old boy and said, this is Jeremiah. So first, there is a Jeremiah in this village. The next thing that came into my mind is if I'm going to lay hands on him and anoint them uh, as a Jeremiah, then I need his father and mother or mother and father, whomever, to come and be there to be a witness. So I just said, is, there, is Jeremiah's father or mother here? And they, the village together as a group said, no father, no father, no father. And just then one of the Muslim elders of the village said, his father's in a house about 50 feet over there. So now you've got the village saying, no father, and, the, and uh, the, the chief saying, he's over there 50 feet away. And I said, well, go get him. And I turned to explain to the, the, the interpreter what I was going to do. And when I turned back, here's Jeremiah's father. Jeremiah is standing right here in front of me, and his father is behind him and i look at jeremiah's father now mind you we're in a stone age muslim village with no education and jeremiah's father is wearing a dress high heel shoes necklace earrings and eye makeup do you get the why they said no father that fa- that village had completely cut off this father Completely, they had stoned him and beaten him at various times. And now everybody in the village is wondering, what's the white guy going to do with this? And the white guy is wondering, what's the white guy going to do with this? And I reached out my hand past Jeremiah, and I put my hand on his father. And the second I put my hand on the father, here's what came out of my mouth. I knew when I gave you life in this village that no man here would be able to father you because I gave you such a tender heart. And these men, I had to give them hard hearts just to survive. And so you believed the lie that you were actually a woman. And even though they have beaten you and stoned you and cut you completely off from the village, you have never wavered in believing that lie because I made you as hard as iron. And he said, when I was looking around this village for a man with the right DNA to be Jeremiah's father, you were the only man qualified. And he said, if if you will let me, I will redeem you through the life of your son, Jeremiah. I do not know the outcome of that story. You have to drive up a waterfall to get to that village because there's no road. And I've tried to get back to this. I don't know the end of the story. But the reason I told you that story is because I want you to understand, Jeremiah's are pretty significant guys to God. And, and, and in your life, you've had this confusion about why am I the way that I am? Well, because he calls you to be a Jeremiah. And that means that he's going to put words in your mouth and send you to nationalities in whatever setting he calls you to to deliver them the tenderness of his heart even though they resist you that's the nature of a Jeremiah and that's who he made you to be and that's what he said to me um, when you were back there and, um, and um, you, you have a tender heart as well but your heart's been really beaten and battered and, and broken and it's been quite a while since you actually could trust somebody to really love you And uh, he has the capacity to love you. But you're just scared to death to let anybody love you. And he said, I'm going to heal your heart. I'm going to actually go into your little girl heart. And I'm going to put it back together for you. So that you can be the first one to benefit from his heart before anybody else. He said, that's my gift to you. So... I'm going to pray for you. Is that all right? <laughs> Father, I bless your son. I thank you that you called him be a Jeremiah. I know it, what I'm saying to him today, it doesn't seem to fit in, in what he thinks ha- is happening to him right now in his life. But your promises are sure and absolute. And just like Jeremiah in that village in, in West Africa, so, Father, we bless him. We bless him with the strength of a man of of iron and a heart like yours, that he would begin to receive the words of your heart in his mouth that would become a gift of life to those who desire them. Wherever you send him, we ask that, uh, that you would be his rear guard, He's got to go out there and stand it alone when he looks ahead, but you will be his rear guard and that uh, you will always make, just like he can feel my hand on his arm right now, that he'll always feel your hand on him. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen, amen. Bless you, man, and bless you. Enjoy the fruits of having your heart restored. Okay? Is is God good?
0: Well, I would just turn you loose at this moment, but there's two people in the room that I don't know if I'm going to see them again, and I felt like God gave me a a brief, three people actually in the room. So, Cole, yeah, it's your turn, buddy. (laughs) If you want to stand, you can, but you don't have to. If you want to, go ahead and stand up if you want. So, Cole... What do you think is the first thing that came to my mind when I heard your name, coal? A hot burning coal. Like the coal that was taken from the altar in Isaiah chapter 6. So I'm going to just quickly uh, read just that part of that. This is uh, Isaiah 6. You probably are familiar with this. But in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has a, a vision of the throne room of heaven. And he sees the Lord. And there are angels, or are seraphim... And they're covering their faces and their feet and they're flying around. They're calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, Isaiah cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the Lord. The King, the Lord Almighty. Then, here's your part. One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So, this is what I felt like the Lord just kind of gave me a few things about that. I see you like a coal from the altar in heaven, designed by God to bring restoration and declaration of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through your mouth, you are like a living coal meant, designed to release the declaration of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus will do for people. To remove sin and shame from the lips of those who only know how to speak failure and sins of their past. A coal that burns with passion and fire of the Holy Spirit. You are an igniter. I just, uh, those are the words that I heard, igniter, igniter of coals that are not currently burning. I don't know why, I think autocorrect said graves. Graves to spread the fire. Uh, grace is what I've typed and it changed to graves for some strange reason grace God has graced you he has anointed you he's with you his presence is in you and on you and with his presence is a grace to spread the fire that you carry the passion that you carry for Jesus to spread it like an anointing which is like smearing what you carry onto people that passion for Jesus you are an igniter. You're a burning coal for him and an igniter of other coals that are burned out. So we bless you today. And if we don't see you again, <laughs> at least you got a word while you're here. But maybe we'll see you again. Yes, Connie, come up here. We need this recorded. Connie's got
5: something. When I saw you, Cole, it's like I heard the word Moses and everything that Scott said, I just, my spirit just identified to it. That he said... Moses wandered through the wilderness with his people, but he had Aaron and her right under his arms. You are a man that will be directing people out of the wilderness. That is a Moses anointing on you. Don't be overwhelmed by it or afraid. It just means that there, you need to have particular people in your life. If you only have one or two, that's a blessing. But under each arm to hold you up. That is not a wilderness experience. You have to have people with you. Pick your friends carefully. I think there's wisdom with you to do that. But there's definitely, I can't say it enough, there's definitely a Moses thing going on with you. Do you like Moses? Have you like, so you're kind of like identifying? Okay, good. (laughs) Amen.
0: Right on, Cool. Well, we, we bless you, man. And you can sit down if you want.
5: I just wanted to piggyback on that. When he was speaking, and then Connie confirmed, I was hearing freedom, like you are leading people, you will lead people to freedom, like to incredible freedom that it's going to flow out of you. It may not even be like an intentional thing, but the truth and the freedom and the love that you walk in, you will lead others into, and it will just flow out of your DNA, that God-given DNA. So I just heard freedom big time over you.
0: Yeah, that, I believe that what she's saying, the freedom part is, you know, the grace that's anointing, the, the anointing that God has for you to walk in, it's, it's part of that being a coal that touches the lips of those that only know defeat, only know failure, and you come to them and you're going to carry the gift of God and release to them what is true. You're going to ex- help them exchange the lie that has kept them from freedom and tell them the truth that will bring them into freedom. Right on. Awesome. And then, yeah, we could all just keep going because you look like you're an easy target. You know, sometimes God just highlights people. Maybe it's because we've never seen you before. And so new people are just so easy to hear from God because we don't already know you. So I'm going to guess that you are John's sister and brother-in-law. Happy birthday yesterday? Oh, sorry, the other one. Okay. Do you guys mind standing up? You'll take the presents, all right. If you guys don't mind standing up, what's, what's their names? John and Vanita. Awesome. John, John and Vanita. You're not Vanita? So this is, this is just, I just felt the, the sweetness of the, the Father's heart for you guys. So this is what I try to quickly type up. Um, the best is yet to come. That was the first thing I heard is the best is yet to come. Any disappointments of the past will pale in comparison to what he has for you in the days ahead. I believe that that will be encounters in your quiet time. Times of refreshing. Eagle's wings. I I saw wings of an eagle just like popping out of your sides. Um, Eagle's wings extended, mounting you up into the heavenly perspective. So he just wants to take you higher. He wants to bring you in an encounter with him and just catch you up. His love for you has sustained you all your years and his favor is rich. I heard his favor and it's rich favor over your lives and over your heritage. So, and after I I heard heritage, I just put this, I don't know if you have kids or not, I'm guessing you have some kids. Yeah, some, one, two. (laughs) It's okay. Just even if you have uh, natural children or or spiritual children, I just see children returning and pressing into the depths of God because of your renewed passion. So whatever he has for you in the days ahead, that's going to be a refreshing and a renewal. Your your offspring, your heritage are going to see that and they're going to be touched by it. And they're going to come running back. So we just... Thank you for coming today, and we just, we release blessing. We release the Legacy City Church blessing over you guys. In Jesus' name. And I just say, over all of us, I feel like this is a new season, that there's new treasure, there's a new flow, and John is going to help crack that flow open this morning. There's a new river, you know, out out of your innermost being rivers. Not just one river, there's rivers, there's a new river of living water, Learn to soak. Learn to see and hear. Learn to rest. That might be that one for you there. Learn to rest. I know I could use some. Learn to explore the revelation of his word. Access the Father in the Spirit. Come boldly in. There was a door open in heaven, John, the the, uh, apostle in the book of Revelation, wrote. There was a door open in heaven, and he heard, Come up here. We have an invitation to come up, to come up higher. Where do dreams and visions take place? It takes place in the in the spirits outpouring and in the place of worship. So, John, do you want both you and Karen to pop up here when we do a quick inter- Okay. So, we introduce John and Karen Carney, and we just receive them as a church, as a spiritual mom and dad to this house. They come with high recommendations and endorsements from Galen and Danette and... Uh, New Horizons down in McMinnville. Galen has known John for 25 years. They've walked many years together, and uh, so we just know that he's he's carrying some treasure. Him and Karen both are carrying some good stuff. So let's uh, let's soak it up.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Wow! Hallelujah. This is a new season. If any of you have been in church as long as I've been in church, I think both my sister Vanita and I were taken to church the first Sunday after we were ever born. And have been, and, and I've been in church most Sundays. I'll just set this back here somewhere. Uh, most Sundays um, since then. and uh, It's time for the church to change. We're, we're alive in a time where God is calling the church to something different. A couple of words that I want you to understand in light of the, of the message today is, is that with God, there is no past. If it's in your past, he calls that the former thing. And he sets before you the new thing. Unfortunately, the church keeps trying to live out of the past. Keeps trying to get us to somehow manage going into our future by what is our past has been but God's declaration is what you used to experience is now the former thing. Turn to somebody and say, former thing. The former thing, we don't have to be that thing anymore. We don't have to be affected by that former thing, and that releases us to move into the new thing. So turn to somebody and say, new thing, new thing. And we live in one of those former thing and new thing moments as the church. And if, if, if Legacy City Church is going to fulfill its destiny, then you've got to become a church of the former thing and the new thing. Because when people come in here and they bring their past with them, you're going to spend all your energy and effort trying to help them deal with their past. When you've really been called to move them to the new thing. One of the rules of the prophetic is to actually declare, that's former, and this is the new thing, and so that's what we're going to do this morning, and this message is really part of what God's going to put in your mouth Um, for that. And so I'm going to talk to you um, this morning about mercy. Mercy has been for a little while now in the church, kind of a hot subject, but it's been... um, it has been beaten about the head and body by a lot of theologians um, who are still focused on the former thing. And let me declare what the first, the, one of the first former things is, and that's sin. The church has focused, I, I, I heard a thousand sermons on sin. I might have even preached a couple of them along the way, Pastor. But I almost never heard a message on mercy. But in fact, Romans chapter 3 tells us that before creation happened, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit sat down and had a meeting. God the Father says, I would like to have a people that we could create, people who could love us. Well, I don't know which one because I wasn't privy to the conversation. But one of them said, but the problem is, is that in order for people to love us, they have to have a choice not to love us. You can't love somebody unless you have a choice to do what? Not love. And, and well, we could introduce something that would give them a choice. And they decided we could give them the opportunity to love us, or to live in, with evil. But then one of them, again, I don't know which one, but one of them, said, I think, said something like this. But if they then become evil, how can we, who are going to remain holy, have any relationship with them? And I know who said the next part. It was Jesus. He said, Father, the, way, the, the price of evil is death, And I'll go, and I will live like one of them, and I will pay the price of evil with my death. And the father said, that's the best idea you've ever had, son. And as a matter of fact, in Romans, there's an interesting word that we never use anymore. So I'm going to have you practice saying this word to somebody else. And that's the word propitiation. So, can you try and say propitiation to somebody? Propitiation. That's, that ought to become our favorite word because the word propitiation means that God chose to overlook sin. God said, because Jesus, you're telling me you're willing to pay the price for sin. I'm going to believe and act as if you've done it already. And that's why the scripture says, before before creation, he died for us. Because as far as the Father was concerned, sin was not going to come between us because of the word of Jesus, which he did indeed fulfill on the cross. And yet we have moved sin to being the biggest issue in the mind of God and in our mind. And there are a lot of people in in this city who will not darken the door of this church or any church because all they ever heard there was sin. They need to start hearing mercy from the door of the church. So let me introduce you to mercy. There are a number of words in the Hebrew and the Greek that mean mercy, and I'm going to use three of them today to give you a picture of mercy. The first Hebrew word that's translated mercy in Scripture is the word chesed. It, it's H-E-S-E-D, has said, and what it means is there you the person who is, has, has said who has mercy, has an eagerness for relationship. If you have your Bibles, look in, in uh, Psalm 89, 20, 89, verse 28. Here in Psalm 89, 28, it says, My mercy, my Hased, I will keep with him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. God says that my mercy, I so desire a relationship with you that I will make a covenant with you and I will chase after you with my covenant. A covenant, I brought my big, beautiful umbrella today. Could you come and help me? Can you hold my microphone for me? Just up by my mouth so they can do whatever they're doing. God's covenant is like an umbrella over us, and a covenant is made up of two things. It's made up of promises and blessings, meaning God says, I will make these promises to you and I will also give you these blessings, so if you have to ever wait for the promise to come, I'll fill in the holes with blessings. So so if you could visualize these colors, our promises and blessings, and he said, I want you to come under the covenant with me. I want to make, can you come and help me too? I, get, I want you to come and under my promises and blessings and take hold of the covenant and we'll hold it together. And this is how we'll live. And he says, because, because, I am so jealous for you because of the mercy, my desire for you, that if you wander away, go ahead and wander away, (laughs) if you wander away, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Keep going. Go away. Go away. (laughs) I'm going to follow you wherever you go until you reach back out and take the covenant blessing with me again. Do you get that? That is the nature. That's how desperate he is for us. Second Samuel fourteen fourteen. My favorite verse from the Old Testament says, "But God does not take away life, but goes about devising ways to restore the one who separated from him." Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so you go away, go, go, you sinner. No, no, go, 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 go away. Here comes God. <laughs> Do you That's that something like God do you that's so bothered by your sin? Nah, He's interested in covenant relationship. Yeah. Now, for us who are part, thank you guys. Thank you for helping here. You want to close my umbrella for me? And for those of us that are of, the, of faith in Christ, we need to be very clear about what his covenant promises are to us. Because they're different to you and to you and to me. They're all based upon his love, but they're based upon his design of who he made us to be in his heart before time, based upon our identity. For an example, my identity in the heart of God, before he said, let there be light, he made me in his heart. And then in the due season and time, he looked for the right mom and the right dad to come together who had the right DNA to make me the person that he designed me to be in his heart before time. And that's why it says, when we were conceived, he was there. He was making sure, we have a mixed age audience, so I'll be very careful here, but he made sure that the right swimmy got to the right thing in the right time so that I could be me. And I am a beloved man of God. My name is John Gabriel. John means beloved, Gabriel means man of God. My dad specifically picked my name beloved man of God sent to serve the kingdom of God as a seer and as a seed planter to turn the heart of the bride to the bridegroom. That's who I was when I was in diapers and that's who I'll be when I go to the grave. God designed and made me and so he made covenant with me consistent with who he made me to be. And when I'd wander away... Here he'd come with the covenant chasing me down. I tell this story, I'll tell this story really fast. My, our son's a police officer, and, and then several years ago, he, he was a, um, a police in a, in a town near ours, and I, and I uh, went and re- rode along one night, and it's 2 a.m. in the morning, and he sees his car coming towards him with no headlights on, so he thinks somebody's leaving the bar, and they forgot to turn their headlights on. He so turns it up, pulls the car over. Turns out it's a 17-year-old girl driving the car who just got her driver's license that very day. And it turns out that, that it's against the law in Oregon to have a non-related youthful passenger in the car for the first, I think, six months after you get your driver's license. But what was happening was the 15-year-old girl who was in the car with the 17-year-old driver was running away from a home, and they had turned the headlights out on the car so mom and dad couldn't see her sneak out of the house, and they forgot to turn the headlights back on. And so I asked my son, he said she has a learner's permit. And I said, could I see the learner's permit? I looked at the learner's permit. And this girl that's running away from home in the car with the headlights about 30 miles from where we live is a girl from my church. It's 2 a.m. in the morning and her pastor's in the police car that just pulled them over while she was running away from home. Do you know what the first thought that came to my mind was? But God does not take away life but goes about devising ways to restore the one who separated from him. And so anyway, it took him, but there's more to the story. But finally, she he goes up to the driver's side and says to the 15-year-old, you're going to have to get out of the car. We've called your, uh, your mom and dad. They're coming to pick you up. She cursed at him. He said, get out of the car right now. She throws open the car door. I'm standing at the back bumper on the passenger side of the car. And she turns and, she turns and sees somebody there, gets back in the car, and all of a sudden I hear her utter a profanity. That is my pastor. <laughs> she jerks out of the car, whirls around, and she says, what are you doing here? And I walked up to her, and I put my arm around her, and I said, Kira, God did not want you to run away from home tonight, so he sent me. You just heard the story of Second Samuel 14, 14. He goes about devising ways. Now, that's good news that Remerton could use. And you have it within your heart to bring that good news. The second dimension of of, um, of mercy, this word is translated mercy again and again, is the word hanan, H-A-N-A-N. And hanan means favorable treatment. So he not only makes a covenant and chases us down, but he wants to show us favorable treatment. Because we focused on sin so much in the former way, we have left the impression that he is holds back from us favorable treatment because of the things that we have done wrong. And, and there's a story that Jesus tells in Scripture that illustrates this better than any other. A uh, young man in the blue right there, could you come and help me? Could, yeah, you come and help me. Tell me what your name is. Kristen? Kristen. Kristen. This, is, um, this is my son, and I'm his father just for this illustration. So he's my son, and he is a really, really stubborn son. (laughs) He doesn't yield an inch to his dad. And so one day, he comes to his dad and says, Dad, you're a rich guy. Give me what belongs to me. Dad says, okay, and gives him a bunch of money. Now, the story's a lot longer than that. I could tell you some amazing lessons with that. And then, Christian, my son, goes away to spend his money. So, you just disappear right back there, okay? So, he goes away. Every single day, Dad, no, 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 you got to go, go clear back there, boy, where it's dark. You've gone away. You've, you're spending your money lavishly. Right there. That's good. That's far enough. And you're back there spending all of what used to be my money that's now your money. And I, every day, I'm coming out and looking to see, is he coming back? Because I'm looking for a way to express mercy to him. So one day, after a long time, I see him way back there, coming towards me. If I had time this morning, I would tell you, you know, that if he came into the village they would stone him and send him away because of how he had treated his dad. So I better get to him before anybody else gets to him or he's going to get stoned to death. So I see him far away and I run to get him before before anybody else can get him before anybody else can get him, I get him so that nobody can stone him because he's my son. He's been in my heart since before time. And now all the way home, because he lost all my money, did all kinds of stupid things, lived with pigs and all kinds of stuff, and he's smelly and yucked up uh, from all the things he's been through. And, but so he's been practicing all the way home what he's going to say to his dad. So he walked down the road day after day, think, practicing, oh, Dad, I'm sorry. Or maybe it'd be better if he went, Dad, I'm sorry. Or it might even be better if he went, Dad, I'm really sorry for what I did. And so he's going to tell me how sorry he is. So you tell me how sorry you are. I don't know how to really explain but, or say uh, Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's what dad does. Dad grabs his mouth and says, son, I don't want to hear. You tell me you're sorry. Now that, that flies in the face of if you can't repent for every terrible thing you've done, there's no room in the heart of the father for you. The fact of the matter is, Stay right here. The fact of the matter is, is the father God was never going to treat his son based upon what the son deserves. He was always going to treat him based upon what was in his heart. That's what that word means. Is I'm going to treat my son, I'm going to treat my daughter the way uh, based upon what's in my heart for them, not based upon what they ever did. Now, that's good news. Whew. I feel that. That is really good news. So what does the father do? What's in the father's heart? The father goes and says, get my finest robe that I had made for me. Now, listen to this carefully. The finest robe in my wardrobe that I had made for me and come and I'm going to put it on my son. Because in my heart, I've been looking for every opportunity to treat my son the way that I treat myself. So when, when you encounter one who is running away from the covenant of God, you need to begin to look at them as what is in the Father's heart that he wants to do for them. Not what did they do. Do you hear the difference? See, see... Talking about what they did is the former thing. And if we keep trying to run our theology through that, we're not going to change the city. The second thing that he did is he said, "I I want you to get my ring of authority. That's my authority. It's how I do business. And he said, I want you to bring it to me, and I want to put my authority on my son. Why? Because it's always been in my heart to treat my son the way that I treat myself. Well, I'd never heard an altar call like this in a church in my entire life. But that's the altar call of a God who in his nature is merciful. See, and then, and then the son was saying, I'm going to go home, and my dad will treat me fair because I'll be a slave or a servant to him. Well, in that day, servants never wore sandals or shoes. So his father said, I got a whole wardrobe full of shoes. I want you to get my finest pair of leather cowboy boots. And I want you to bring them out here. And his dad got down on the floor, and he put his best boots on the feet of his son, because God always, always treats us based upon what's in his heart, not based upon what we've done. Now, now for those of you that have been in church as long as I've been in church, you might struggle with that a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, is that the law, which is what we we've made to be the standard. The law was never God's first choice. He brought, his, he brought his children to Egypt to treat them the way that he would treat himself. He went up on the mountain and he made preparation on this mountain out in the deserts outside of Egypt and he invited his people to come up the mountain. And the day came for them to go up the mountain and they said, not going. Pastor, you go up the mountain and come back and tell us what he said. And... God sent the law back down with Moses. It was always a face-to-face encounter that was in the heart of the Father. It was never the law. And then the day came when he set before the people this rectangular box with two gold angels on the top of it facing each other, and in between was the mercy seat. Do you get that? And you know what is underneath the mercy seat if they could ever find the Holy Grail from the movie? The law is buried underneath the mercy seat inside that box and nobody has ever seen the law again. Because he's a merciful God whose heart is to treat us the way that he treats himself. Now, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta grab hold. That's good news. That's good news. You see, and fundamentally, it changed. Thank you for helping me, son. I appreciate it. Give him a hand, okay? He did a good job. Thank you. Whew. you. you. Sin matters because it damages our lives and the lives of others. That's why it matters. But it does not matter to God. He is not trying to fix us. He's trying to restore us to our original design. So you hear the word for our sister, your, your heart's been broken and damaged and crushed, but I'm going to restore it. Redemption is not making up for sin. Redemption is restoring us to our original design. See, and 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 so 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 in a way, I need to say sin comes with consequences. I wish I could share it. There are three major consequences of sin. I, I wish we had time to talk about this morning, but, but we don't. So, so, hold on to that but recognize that sin does not keep God away from you because his mercy is greater than sin. You see, his mercy is always in greater supply than sin, and his mercy is not what he does. Grace is what he does. Mercy is who he is. See, and he can't deny himself, so that's why he treats the prodigal son coming back the way that he does. Take hold of this word today, and it will set this town on a different course, on a different path. It changes everything. The the, the third word uh, that is translated um, for uh, mercy is the word raham, R-A-H-A-M, raham. And the word raham comes from a root word that is the word for womb, and so what he's saying is my mercy is like the womb of a mother. He is saying that I am connected to each one of you in exactly the same way as a mother is connected to a child to whom she gave birth. Take that one. He said, that's why he, he said, Taste of me and see that I am good, because that baby in your womb ate from you through the umbilical garden. I gotta say I'm connected to you in that same way. And 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 uh, it's. It, I remember the first time I ever I ever. Sp- preach this i was in west africa in a big big city and i was headed to the airport and i stopped by to say goodbye to this pastor friend and he had all the women in the church for a women's study that morning and they're all there and there were i counted them there were 58 women in this in this thing and uh, and 28 of them had babies so half of them had babies and they're all feeding their babies sitting there and he said, come and say a word to them. And I got from, I had just been studying about this Raham word and, and, and I looked at them and I said, God loves you so much. It's just like all of you. I said, if that little baby that you're feeding this very moment goes to prison, they'll still be your child, right? All these ladies looked down and go. That's the nature of Mercy. Do you think you could get people to, to, to come into a relationship with a God like that? You bet. Because that's who he really is. That is really the gospel. This is the gospel. You have a merciful God. Isaiah, let's just quickly look at Isaiah 49, 15, and we'll, we'll start to stop this here. Isaiah 49, I had a completely different message until I was sitting at the and John's table this morning and the Lord said, I want you to speak this to this house. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. I don't know how a mom could, but surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. That's Raham. There it is right there. So a God who makes a covenant with us and chases after us looking for ways for us to come back under the promises and the blessings. Now I, I, I want to make a, I want to say a strong word to those of us that are here this morning again as, who, are, who are those who have a relationship with God. If you don't know what God's promises and blessings are for you, you need to find out. Because it is covenant that sustains us. It's covenant that, that, that defines who we are and how we live. And, and, and there really ought to be a, a greeting out of our identity for each other. Because our identity, who we are, that's why the world we live in right now is doing everything to steal our identity. Everything about the current culture, I could explain it in five minutes to you, everything that's going on in the news that you read about in our current culture is designed to destroy your identity. To absolutely, in the, in the whole story of, the, of Daniel going to, to, to Babylon, Babylon's whole deal for, for Daniel and the three brothers that were there was to destroy their identity, to steal from them who they are, and your culture is designed to steal from you who you are. And when you come into who you are, beloved man of God, sent to serve the kingdom of God. I saw and knew things when I was a very little boy growing up in the, in the, in the Plymouth Brethren and in the Baptist Church because I was made to be a seer. And, 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 and a seed planter, I, 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 I want to preach in a stadium to about 10,000 people and have an altar call and have 10,000 of people, come, or people come to the altar. And the Lord keeps saying, but I made you a seed planter, not a harvester. And if you don't plant seeds, there'll never be a harvest. And when God and I have our most, Karen knows this is true, when God and I have our biggest arguments, it's over the fact that I would really like to water some time. I'd really like to harvest sometime. Uh, I, I have a story, I'm not going to tell you this, I have a story that he he gave me a prophetic word about a, about a revival that was coming in a nation, and I said, oh, wow, he's probably going to let me harvest. And instead, he says, I want you to go lay hands on this pastor over here, because he's the guy that's going to bring the harvest. And I'm going, no, not him, me, you told me. But I'm a seed planter. That's what I'm doing today. Planting seed into your lives about the mercy of God. So I'm a serious seed planter sent to serve not the, the bride church, but to serve the kingdom of God and turn the heart of the bride to the bridegroom, Jesus. And so the promises that he's made to, that Karen and I have lived under for almost 50 years, his covenant promises, all to fulfill who we are, and it's true for each and every one of you. you, you, Can you receive this this morning? See, the new thing would be for you as you're entering into your 20s to know who you are so that whatever you encounter in the world, you're anchored in who you are and hold on to the promises and the blessings. Let me say that again because I think we, we, we started out and you may not have caught it up front. The covenant that he makes is always a covenant of promises and blessings. Sometimes, like, for an example, if he was promising that one day you would be the, a mom, you're not a mom yet. So he gives you blessings to maybe be able to love somebody's child who is not being loved. That's him fulfilling a blessing that fills in until the promise comes. If you you know the story of Israel when they left Egypt on the way to the promised land, what he did for them in feeding the manna and quail and water from the rocks in the wilderness, those were not his promises. The promises were in the promised land. Those were his blessings until they got to the promised land. And that's his covering that is over each one of us based upon who he made us to be. And, and, and uh, um, that he's looking for every opportunity to treat you. If you have prodigal sons and daughters, you ought to, you ought to take great hope in this, in this nature of God that, uh, that, that, that he's looking to treat your prodigal son or daughter the same way he, wants, he treats himself. He's not looking to treat them based upon what they deserve. See, I'm not trying to make a political statement here. I'm about to close. I'm not trying to make a political statement, but the, the Lord's been impressing my heart again and again recently to, 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 to say this. You know, the church is spending so much effort at trying to figure out what do we do with um, gay people, lesbian, um, all these other kinds of things that are going on where people are identifying themselves in certain ways. God knows who he made them to be in his heart before time. He knows who they are. And if they need to be redeemed, there's nothing they can do that he can't redeem. So why are we making such a huge issue out of what he can redeem? Karen Karen could come up here and and share with with you stories of, of we know people that he has made them virgins again. Because God can redeem anything. See, if, if as a parent, if as a parent, we could redeem anything that could happen to our children, if we could do that, if we could redeem anything that could happen to our children, then we could let them play in the street. We could redeem anything. Well, God can redeem Anything. And that's why he lets you go off and be a prodigal at times. We as parents don't have that ability. And I have a couple books. One of the books is called Untwisted. Your parents have been so kind to be posting some things on it this week on Facebook. Um, And in this book is is how uh, we're twisted by our world and how redemption is God untwisting us. And the first story in here is about my son um, who... uh, who came home, and he'd lost his little card from picking strawberries. And he was in a tither because he had worked for three days, and I wasn't going to get paid for any of the strawberries. And it tells a story about redeeming him, and I was saying to him, son, I can still redeem this loss of your strawberry-picking card, but there may come a day where you do things that I can't redeem. Well, God is never confronted with that as our Father. Um, in that. and And I just... For the first time Karen and I were here and visited, and for the first time I met your pastor, pastors, um, I'm convinced that this is a message that belongs to this house. It actually is your possession. I just get to come, and it's your message. It's your Jeremiah message. And so that's why I think the Lord had us uh, bring that uh, to, today. just want to mention one other a book that recently we had come out. It's called The Unveiling Reforming Your Religious Experience. And this book, if you've been in church a long time and you're disgruntled with the church and you're not happy with the religion of the church, I'd encourage you to get the book. Um, It's a vision. It's actually a vision that I had over 20 years ago um, that I've sat on for longer than 20 years that uh, shows the church unveiled rather than defined by... Um, it's, it's, it's earthly connection, and you'll find a live, living um, reality to each of the people that make up uh, the church as, it, as uh, the bride becomes revealed. Wow. Have you been blessed today? Have you been reminded afresh of the mercy of God? It's who he is. You'll be confused if you try and go back to the old past, to the former things, and blend them together. They do not blend. There comes a new day. Uh, uh, Isaiah 42, is, and, and we're finished. Isaiah 42, you don't have to go there or anything, but in Isaiah 42, Father God is prophesying the coming of Jesus. And, and he says there, he said, that I am the Lord God and I will not share my glory with another. Familiar with that passage? I'll not share my glory with another. You know what the very next line says? It says, but behold, the former things are now complete and I declare a new thing. Here's a God who has never shared his glory with anybody, including his good friend Moses, if you're familiar with the story who is now saying, the way that I have always dealt with people with my glory is now the former way that I dealt with people with my glory. I'm sending Jesus. and John chapter 17, we hear Jesus uttered these words. The same glory that you gave to me, I've given to you. Not a different glory, the very same glory. If you have to marry that up with... I am the Lord that and I'll not share my glory with another. You can't do it because he but he declared that is the former thing. Do you get that? And now we get to actually be the possessors of his glory because we are part of the new thing. So just turn to somebody and say, not yet. Yeah, not yet. Say not yet. He's called us to live unto the not-yets. To live unto the promises, the not-yets. The focus on our life needs to be on the not-yets. So with that word, I bless you today. Pastor, thank you so much. I'm just pumped. That was good. I, I feel...
0: I feel like we just had a meal and he's right that this is a word for our church because I could never say it in one message the way he just said it, but this is the same thread that we've felt the Holy Spirit's been weaving in and out of our meetings. And I don't always plan what he wants to, wants to have me share or you guys share, but when we come together corporately and, and things that come out of of in the, being in the presence of God and worship. And it's the same theme. It's this who, who you are. It's that Jesus dealt with our sin on the cross and we don't need to try to focus on the old man who's dead. <clears throat> and you probably like Graham Cook a lot because Graham, in a different way, a different message, but it's the same message that we are wrapped up in Christ. And God is focused on the new creation, not the old dead man. But this is just another another way of another angle of the treasure that we get to look at. And it is this is a vital how we represent the Father right. in this city, in our community, in this region means everything to Him. I know it's important to His heart. So yeah, we we're gonna get a stack of His books. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm going to get them from him. Hopefully you brought plenty. Yeah? At least 15 to 20 of your books? Yeah.
4: One of the things in this way that God's been doing lately is giving prophetic words to people in great detail about who they are and why they got damaged by sin. And I brought some samples Um, of them. I don't have enough for everybody, but I brought four or five different words, um, maybe eight or ten copies, and Karen will have those. If you want, we'll just take one or two of them. Um, Just trying to show us that God even prophetically is coming at prophecy in a different way, because we often prophesy to people's pasts rather than to their future. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll
0: make sure that we get a copy of that that we can reproduce as well. So awesome, you guys. Thank you John, Karen, you guys for just being with us. And uh, yeah. I feel so enriched. Like I just ate a croissant with all kinds of good stuff on it. It was just like the bread and wine and Jesus is here and he's just so good to us. Well, we're going to we're going to put a big amen and yes and amen to all of God's promises. We're going to just take some time here until the food gets here, and actually, some of it's already arrived. So. Um